Would you bet a few thousand dollars that you could sink an eight-foot putt? What about 10 grand that you could win a drag race against a Camaro with a thousand horsepower? If you bet $2 million, could you bet it all on one football game? Maybe you wish you could, but you probably wouldn't. Gamblers is about the people who did. From the Ringer Podcast Network, listen to Gamblers Season 2 on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Welcome to Jam Session. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. Amanda, I think we're at T4 since the queen has died, or T5. Are you counting the first day as day zero or day one? Are we doing British or American? I was doing the British D. Sorry, it's D, not T. Okay. I don't know where we are, but it's Monday. Next Monday is her funeral. Since we last spoke on Friday... I would say the press is being completely out of control, as we expected. I feel like the the most important thing that's happened in this press cycle since we last spoke is that the fat the, the group formerly known as the Fab Four, yes. Will, Kate, Harry, and Meghan did a walkabout together at Windsor, mm-hmm. which was really nice. And now there's like so many conflicting reports about how it came together, who's decided it should happen, and then like so much insane body language reading that I personally feel I've learned nothing. What about you? Yeah. I want to just point out it took two days because this happened on Saturday. Yeah. For this whole situation to devolve into what time was the text message sent and and who who sent sent it it and what was the intent behind the text message and probably at least 10 behind-the-scenes sources speaking to various media outlets about the timing of a text message. Like, we are fully in the weeds. We knew we would get here. Here we are. Absurd. It's so absurd. I also feel like there's less information than ever, but the the appetite for headlines is greater than ever. Mm -hmm. So, like, I was reading page six, which I think is trying to be balanced based on the headlines that I saw, like, just, like, on the page6.com. And by balanced, I mean, like, equally mean to everyone and e- equally, <laughs> like, accusatory. But 
as a result, I just feel like there's actually less information than than ever about all of these people, which is kind of weird considering they're like, this is the most public any of them have been in a long time. But my sense is there's not a lot of information because everything is being really tightly controlled. And so there's like even fewer leaks. And I, I do believe that everyone in the family like respects and loves the queen enough to like not let their personal agendas take over at least yet. But it's been pretty wild to watch this unfold. It's also been fascinating. I was thinking as I read all of the breathless and and rude Harry and Meghan and Will and Kate coverage, which I did on Saturday. Um, I was thinking a lot about that 2017 Sam Knight piece about the, you know, London Bridge, the mm-hmm. op- Operation London Bridge, the plans for the Queen's funeral, which that was a piece that was written five years ago in extreme detail about everything that happens in these 10 days that we're living through right now. And how preposterous all of this stuff from like the quote unquote accession council Mm -hmm. and everything that Charles went through and the proclamations and the statements and yada, yada. But because it's been in place for so long and everyone knows exactly what to do and we're all just kind of being marched through it, it's like happening so fast that we are just, they are going to wind up with like King Charles III and everyone's like, okay, sure. Like this is what (laughs) happens now, I guess. And it's like, it's kind of like a brilliant strategic, you know, like a, not assembly line, but what's the, you know, what's the sushi restaurant where it all, like the, Oh, like, when, As, like, like the belt, yeah, like the belt. Like we're all just on the belt. I guess like the ele- the airport walkway, yeah. And it's just kind of happening. Everything's just happening. And and while we're all over here distracted about what time a text message was sent, they're just installing like a new monarch in 2022 because they just they planned for all of this. It's honestly pretty savvy. Yeah. As I'm also like, I can't believe this is happening. This I, is absurd. I actually thought you were going to say something different though. I feel like things aren't. Like, they're carrying on with, you know, the plan, the London Bridge plan. But I don't think it's, like, actually happening the way they wanted to. Like, as we discussed on Friday, I feel like the BBC gave away that the Queen yeah. had passed away before they were ready to announce it. And um, there's just, like, a lot of logistics that people can follow in a way that you probably couldn't have even anticipated, like, five years ago. Right. Um, and so I do think there's, like, this willful determination to keep following the plan. But there's there's, like, life intervening and, like, just, like, different things happening because that's how things go. Right. And Um, then, you know, part of that entire plan was Charles going on, like, a tour around the UK mm -hmm. and, like, being in everyone's, you know, being seen and being public. But you can't anticipate for the stray internet video of your guy freaking out about, like, a ceremonial inkwell and making weird faces. And then the 24-hour news cycle and internet cycle just memeing his weird face with good reason. It was a very strange reaction, sir. There are a lot of cameras. Just move it. Yeah, I know. He was just, like, he was unhappy that the inkwell was on the desk when he was about to give his address. Right. It was in his way. Which wasn't even live, if as far as I can tell. I mean, I watched the nine-plus-minute address sure. on Instagram. Sure. And it just reminded me, like, how infrequently I hear Charles's actual voice. Very um, strange. And it was definitely weird to hear it. Also, his accent is very specific. Like, he actually does not sound like William or Harry. Right. Uh, he has a slightly different uh, accent. And so, yeah, it was just like... Who cares about that thing? Also, Charles does not seem invested in showing 
genuine humanity. Like, he seems invested in being the king. Right. And so I actually, but, you know, in this Instagram era, everyone responds to, like, authenticity, real and fake, which authenticity no longer even means authentic. But, you know, there's there's none of that for King Charles III. He doesn't seem press-trained. No. Which is fascinating because he's been waiting for this job for 73 years yeah. and has been in the press famously for a lot of it. And, you know, the one of the tensions between him and Diana was that she was a press creature and mm-hmm. and he could, like, never get it quite right. But I, if there are cameras around, you got to know not to behave that way, you would think. Yeah. Also, uh, it's interesting because the the way that the royal press pool works, there's only certain photographers allowed and then they distribute photos mm-hmm. and video to everyone else. So whoever captured all of this was approved. I wonder if they're approved for the future. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, you're right. It's marching along. I just, I I think all of this ceremony just it is so preposterous. You know, it. De- I mean, it feels like a play, right? It yes. feels like, and I'm watching all of it and I like, I'm fascinated by it, but it seems so out of time. Well, there's so little actually happening. So I feel like I can check in with my go-to websites like a few times per hour. Yeah. And I won't have missed much. And like, I, um, I think since we last were doing jam sessions before your leave, I'm like, significantly weaned off of Twitter. Like, I don't okay. I don't really job. look at it that much outside of work hours. And so over the weekend, I was like, oh, I guess I should check in. But the way that I check in now is going to a website instead of going to Twitter. So, okay. like, also, the memes don't necessarily make it to me in the same way, which, like, I don't know if that's irresponsible, but it's definitely helping my mental health. So I... I I think that's incredibly responsible. I really support you. I regret to inform that I had a major Twitter backslide Mm. during my leave, which in my defense, I spent a lot of time with another human attached to me in a sitting position. So what else was I supposed to do? Sure. That's only your only option. But I got, but I gotta work. I gotta work on it. It's just like so unpleasant. I've gotten really into games, like word games and stuff. Anyway, everything that's happening is just like, it's just wild to watch. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I do hope that there will be some some really good content coming out of this, which, you know, that's all we can hope for here on Jam Session. By content, I mean, like, scripted. Like, right. You know, the name of my play is 10 Days at Windsor. Okay. That's so, <laughs> I don't know what will be happening in the play yet, but that's the name of it. I, I think Peter Morgan needs to extend the crown. Oh, I agree. Do you think he will? I don't know. I guess it depends on, like, what the what Netflix's budgets are like these days. Right, and stuff. right, right, right. So, on the one hand, you can see Netflix being like, no, we, we really need that this is a bona fide hit at, for a, like a different demographic than most of our mega hits international. Yeah. We can spend the money. I mean, I definitely am still a Netflix subscriber in large part because of The Crown. So I'll just, that's one woman's vote right here on the record. Keep it going. I wonder what keeps me hanging on. I never considered not having it, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. But uh, that's a different podcast. Okay. Um, anything else stand out to you? I will say the one thing that I'm enjoying the most is uh, Princess Anne being front and center. She's yeah. like, the Guardian's really focusing on her. And to your point, she's actually the one traveling with the Queen's coffin. And she, you know, there's, if you watch The Crown, you're kind of aware that there's sort of like the two halves of the family. There's Charles and Anne, and then there's Edward and and Andrew. Although I don't even think they're that close. They're just younger. Right. Um and it's really interesting to me, like, seeing Anne kind of, like, step forward, where she has always sort of been, like, the steadfast companion to the queen in the more recent years. And I also like that her son, um, Peter, mm-hmm. is being credited as, like, the peacemaker among Harry and Will. I, don't, I have no idea if that's true, but I just like I just like these roles for the Queen Anne side of the family. 
I am fascinated by all of the family dynamics of Harry was at Balmoral, but didn't get to have dinner with Charles and William, and they didn't see each other. I mean, it's... it's all really sad. I know. But I still want to know everything about the... Like, I will take as much palace intrigue literally as they want to give me. Oh, agreed. I also really didn't realize that Balmoral was six hours from Edinburgh. I was like, wow, that's far. Yeah, it is in the middle of nowhere. I have a really poor sense of geography to begin with. So, like, Scotland and, like, how the mountains interfere, how could I possibly know? I'm not saying that I could lead you to Balmoral. <laughs> You know, (laughs) from Edinburgh or anywhere else. Um, But I do just, I've consumed so much of the royal family stuff that I know it's like really far. And you got to fly to like a special airport and then drive from there. Yeah, they're in the middle of nowhere purposefully. Yes, Uh, I guess so. Seems really nice there. All right. You went to Scotland? No, I'd love to go. Okay. But are you, is that like on your list? Yeah, you into it. Okay. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know, like, ideal timing. I guess, like, September would be my ideal time to go to Balmoral or to the, Scotland in the general. Queen also, yeah. Yes. Um, but, like, I went to Ireland and had a great time, but went, like, at the wrong time of year, which I regret. Okay. And now I really want to go back to Ireland because I love Bad Sisters. So... Great show. Great show. Love it. How many episodes have you watched? Three or four, okay. I think. I'm, cool. I'm I'm in the mix, but I'm not caught up. It's just a great show. If you're not watching it, it's, like, the, late, it's the latest project from the mind of Sharon Horgan. So. Yes. Check it out. She's she's the best. Sweet side note, wasn't on the rundown. Is Sharon Horgan the closest we have to like picking up the mantle from Nora Ephron? Interesting. She does make there's no way to say it without sounding pejorative, but I guess like, you know, she makes like smart content for women. Well, I was gonna say like smart domestic minded content, but not in the negative patriarchal, you know, 50s way. Just things set at home. Also just, you know, a tremendous taste for sweaters and home decor. And everything is like so perfectly appointed. I want every single piece of clothing that Sharon Horgan wears on every single one of her shows. Also in Bad Sisters, all the different homes have like really distinct personalities. But like they're all great and I love them. A sense of lifestyle. I mean, there might be a little bit of Nancy Myers to it, um, but you're right that she has this the the spikiness mm-hmm. of Nora Ephron mm-hmm. extended to its 2022 expression. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know. I just that's what I just kind of like. I feel like Sharon Horgan is the way, and I like everything she does. Like yeah. this way up. We previously talked about she was a producer on that. And have they done season two of that yet? Uh, yeah, it's on Hulu. Okay, so check it out. I will. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. 
With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, Get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. All right, let's move on. Another story we and everyone else are breathlessly tracking. We got some updates on Don't Worry Darling and the Olivia Wilde of it all. Before we segue to new material, mm-hmm. we, we spoke about the Chris Pine statement. The Chris Pine's publicist statement was released while we recorded yes. our last official jam session. We didn't parse every sentence of the statement. And here, this remains my take on the spitting itself. Okay. If it wasn't spit, tell me what it was. I'm listening. I'm ready. I am open to anyone actually explaining it to me. And the sunglasses thing, I don't buy it. He looks too pissed off. Sunglasses, definitely not. Oh, yeah. Okay. So once again. That was just like a random person made that up on, yes. on Twitter and it like got a lot of traction. But that's definitely, it's definitely not a sunglasses discovery. So once again, I would say to anyone on the internet or anyone out in the world, if it wasn't spit, just tell me what it is. I'm ready to listen. But the Chris Pine Post's statement was so vehement in its objection and denial that it's a real protesting too much situation. Well, I also think that, that Harry Styles making the joke about it sure. also contributes to like the, thou doth protest, protest too much. Yes. So I hear what you're saying. I get it. I just, I don't have an explanation that makes sense to me. And and I agree that if it wasn't spit and, you know, cameras can do weird things, sure. But like something happened. Tell me what happened. I don't know. I'm, and I'm like pointing in your face literally right now because we're in studio <laughs> together, but I don't mean you necessarily. I mean, you are one of the world's great celebrity uh, conspiracy Thanks. theorists and researchers. So if you want to, but I just meant the world at large. I really don't think he's fit, just based on my own, I, I, my like, own watching. That's fine. I, I probably don't either, but something happened. Definitely. There's a lot going on there. One thing we failed to mention last time is that Florence Pugh and... Um, Chris Pine had been in a movie together before, so... Oh, that's right. The Outlaw King. Yeah. Of course. I forgot. I I blocked that until you said that just now. Yeah. yeah. And so that I also... It wasn't a great movie, I I think that he's definitely Team Miss Flo, uh-huh. which we speculated, but that like, contributes to it even further. 
I, uh, so what the major thing that's happened since we last spoke about this is that the Vanity Fair profile came out Mm -hmm. and the Vanity Fair profile didn't contribute that much, but it had a couple of important takeaways for me. Number one, the quotes that Olivia Wilde gave about Shia LaBeouf exiting the film are very similar to the quotes that she gave to Variety, Mm -hmm. which leads me to believe that um, her explanations were um, pre-planned, which is a smart thing to do. So I I support that. But then obviously the Vanity Fair writer had to go back and edit this profile to account for what had happened between when she interviewed Olivia Wilde and when it came out. And she also added that what she had been led to believe, what she had heard from her reporting Mm -hmm. is that Olivia Wilde and team decided to let Shia LaBeouf feel he quit to like sort of have a a seamless breakup for all. And that it then became quite seamed when she um, started doing press for the movie. So I'm sure that there's like some truth in all of this and some, and a lot of stuff we also don't know, but um, this sort of like questioning the truth of what Olivia Wilde is saying continues. Yes. I, you're right that, I think the the similarity of statements is both like savvy. It's you and I say this all the time, like have an answer, you know, if, if, when you're going on a press tour and you're going to be asked complicated things like practice your answer, have an answer. That's all it takes. I, I would assume that there's also some legal uh, aspects of trying to have an answer to this as well, because it seems like a, a tremendously complicated story. Yeah. And I think like what happened on set, especially in terms of Shia LaBeouf, who uh, has uh, been accused of a lot of uh, ugly behavior and has a complicated situation on his own and is in recovery. You know, that's like all stuff that requires a lot of nuance that none of these headlines ever maintain and is a complicated thing. And then there is like what Olivia Wilde is is saying and what gets aggregated and what's going on between her and Florence Pugh, which is like a separate and like possibly related, but maybe not completely related issue. Right, right, right. So where do you stand on, I talked about this with Matt Bellany. I'm just curious, mm-hmm. like, what do you think happens to Olivia Wilde, the director? Like, does this affect her going forward? Well, I still have not seen Don't Worry, Darling. Mm. Um, I, from everyone I know who has seen it, and who I trust, it is just not good, is the word. It's just that it's, like, not a successful movie mm-hmm. at all. So, y- you know, it would be different if this were all distracting from, like, a, a masterpiece. But I think it does not work. And the other thing that I've read is that uh, it's it's attempting to say something about, you know, sexual politics and female identity, women I- women's identity and... The patriarchy and like a lot of these issues that, that her press tour has like sort of tried to tie itself yeah. to, but then that has like come back. Well, that's been the central yeah. problem of this press tour is that when she and and why I feel like any neg- not any negativity, but the sort of like the 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 fe- the, the founded sense of my negativity towards mm-hmm. Olivia Wilde is that she in the um, interviews now with both Vanity Fair and Variety try to position herself as like this protector of women, and that might be true. But um, the Shia LaBeouf video that he released or was released mm-hmm. so counters um, how she positions herself. And, it, and that I find that part frustrating. And so also when you tie yourself to this like sort of very specific message, yeah, you then have to live it fully. 
and it it's not fair, as we discussed, but you then are held to a standard that I don't think is being met, unfortunately. Yeah, and I think it's important to point out the treatment of Olivia Wilde, especially online, um, as a result of being in a relationship with Harry Styles. And just there is a lot of gross stand stuff going on and certainly a a double standard. And she's getting, she's had a lot of online abuse that I don't yeah. think is deserved. And, and I think the Shia stuff is particularly complicated for all of the reasons we just discussed. But th- there is another piece to this that is like somewhat unreported, which is or not unreported because, uh, you know, under-discussed or under-examined. And uh, again, all of this is, you know, hearsay or anonymous sources or whatever, but who can know, but of how she or how Florence Pugh was treated on Mm -hmm. set and what Florence Pugh's expectations were and Florence Pugh having to do a lot of sex scenes and Florence Pugh as an actor getting the support or not getting the support that she wanted, which is, you know, to your point, that's about creating an environment for women on your set. And yeah, and and whatever happened, it seemed that Florence Pugh was, like, not happy about it and um, has played a pretty, uh, not aggressive, but uh, substantial part in letting people know that she's not happy about it, you know, from not going to the press conference, not doing any press for the movie or or barely any press, not promoting it, not commenting on the Vanity Fair piece. Um, And to her glam team at Venice wearing T-shirts that said Miss Flo on them. Like, yeah. they had T-shirts made. Which I have to say, I also don't, I don't care for. I actually, yeah. I, I'm all about merch. I love sure. a, a, tel- a T-shirt collectible. Love, just, you know, love all that. But do it in private. Like, Florence Pugh has done a pretty good job of keeping things private. Yes. The, so she clearly, when she wants to, she can. And this is obviously a statement. And, you know, Everyone's entitled to feel how they feel. They can't control it. But I do think that, like, until the last, like, week or so, I was kind of impressed with how, how Florence Pugh was handling things. I thought it was pretty professional, and now I feel like it's kind of devolved. Um, well, she's playing into it. You're, and she and she is playing into the drama and the tabloidization of it. Yeah. Which, on the one hand, is, like, completely her right. On the other hand, you know, is it, like, this high-minded stand against, like, you know, supporting actors and working, you know, environments yeah. and whatnot? Or is it just, like, petty and having fun? And let me say, like, I am also a person who enjoyed the petty having fun part of, of it. Yeah, of course. But, yeah, is it totally fair or is it, you know? And, yeah, and, and um, Matt Bellany and I actually also talked about this in relation to Will Smith and what they should be doing about emancipation. Mm-hmm. And I just think that, you know, actors and, like, the leading faces, so not just actors, but directors as well, like, and everyone who's famous on a movie does have, like, unfortunately, a bit of an obligation. Oh, well, not necessarily unfortunately, they're paid for it, but they have an obligation to, like, sell their work because mm-hmm. so many other hundreds of people worked on it. And there's, like, so much at stake. And so I do sort of feel bad for, like, the crew and everything where this is, like, just subsumes their movie. But I don't know. Maybe that's also, like, a kind of um, Pollyanna-ish view of some kind. But I have to personally say, like, while well, I found all this delicious, I'm now getting a little bit tired of it as like, I feel like there's there's no side for me to be on and I like to pick sides. Do you think that Don't Worry Darling will perform well? I do not. I do not either. Because I think that the Harry Styles fans, Styles fans, we're always going to see it. So, like, those people are in. Um, but 
for me, I'm just like, I'm not interested in this. And I'm a, some someone who's like maybe on the fence. Like, and if I hear it's bad and I'm just sort of like, I want to wash my hands of everyone involved. I'm just like, yeah, moving on. Yeah. I will say I, I will be happy to move on from the Harry Styles as an actor phase of celebrity. Like, well, not quite because he has another film called My Policeman. Do people which, say that's good? No, is my understanding. But I think it was received with enthusiasm by his fan base. Okay. And by the critics, it was far more mixed. Again, I haven't seen it. I'm just kind of like reading tea leaves in reviews. Mm-hmm. But um, it's Harry Styles and Emma Corrin and it, someone else. Who I can't remember at the moment. Sorry. Is this what it was like when Elvis was acting? When you were just like, do we really want this? But like Elvis's fans were really into it? I think so. And I think it's, this is a little bit the extension of cast an actor based on their Instagram followers and before that from their ability to magazine and you know mm-hmm. that it, it that's what's happening. Elvis is a good comparison except Elvis was at least doing like music in his movies. Right. right. Which uh, like, frankly I like enjoy. Um sure. Yeah, I'm just thinking about like what role I'd like to see Harry Styles in. In a weird way, I feel like he should do some of the things like Nick Jonas has done. Like Nick Jonas on Broadway. Okay. Like Nick No, jo- I that's your face <laughs> lit up and I love seeing you excited, but I have absolutely no interest. You don't want to see that. Harry Styles and Les Mis? No. I I mean, if he wants to do it, but that would be pretty weird. He should do a romantic comedy. He should do something where he gets to be charming. He's a charming person. Like when a date with Tad Hamilton type of thing? Yeah. Is he a great actor? I don't know. I haven't really seen him anything in anything except for Dunkirk, where he didn't have to do very much. But he, I know that he's charming. Sure. Yeah, sure. He's very so, charming. So do that. I wonder how he'll age. I mean, so far it's going great, but he's still in his 20s. Right. I'm just curious about what the future looks like. Sure. Can't well, wait to find out. <laughs> Do you want to segue into Jan Wenner's biography? Yes, that's Which, great. Is, there is one quote about uh, the Rolling Stones where he apparently, he compares them to looking like people from Lord of the Rings yes. now. Which is not kind. But which is, I, which uh, Almost Famous is like one of my two favorite movies. And mm-hmm. there's a really funny Jimmy Fallon quote in it where he's he's playing um, like a, a fancy manager for Stillwater. And he has this funny line. Obviously, because the movie is from 1999 and it's about the 70s where Jimmy Fallon's like, if you think Mick Jagger is still going to be on stage in in his 70s or like whatever. um, And of course, Mick Jagger is still Still on stage stage. in the 70s. Um, But Jan Wenner is just sort of like in like the fuck it stage. So he's revealing like all of these secrets. Well, so he wrote a memoir. Yes. And sorry, the secrets are in the memoir. Sure, he wrote a (laughs) memoir and he wrote a memoir uh, because... He worked with the journalist Joe Hagan on a biography about himself. And mm-hmm. then after providing Joe Hagan with a tremendous number of amount of access and resources, decided he didn't like the book that Joe Hagan was writing. And so withdrew his participation. That book called Sticky Fingers came out a few years ago. It is quite long, but uh, it is in terms of the documentation of, uh, you know, an era of of boomer media. Mm-hmm. Quite something. <laughs> And so then Jan Wenner was like, no, I got to, the ultimate mythologizer needs to like write sure. his own mythologies. Which like, I kind of respect. I, sure. I love self-mythology. See Halftime by J-Lo. It's worked out for him thus far. Yeah. He did one of those meandering profiles with Maureen Dowd uh, in the Times this weekend, which was really, really peak boomers in on Long Island, uh, far Long Island, fancy Long Island. 
uh, living their best Suffolk lives. County. Yes. Far, far Suffolk County. And saying ridiculous stuff. It just also went on forever and ever. It was so long. I think he and Maureen had a great time together. But in addition to just talking a lot about rock and roll and what he created, um, he's dropping various tidbits about all of the many celebrities that he's encountered. And for our purposes, the time, the era in which he owned Us Weekly, Mm. which coincides with like the height of Us Weekly in the mid-2000s. Please listen to Just Like Us on this very podcast feed. If you haven't, (laughs) it was really good. And it'll talk a lot about this. Um, But he confirms, he's just kind of giving tidbits about bold names in a way that is great magazine making and also a little crass, which is, once again, his style. And the the two that have really caught our eye, one Mm -hmm. is he wait. I think, I'm curious what you think about this. He wades into the ongoing Angelina Jolie, Brad Pitt, Mm-hmm. Her fall, which has reached really a really it's ugly really point. ugly. Yeah, it's really, it's really ugly and dispiriting. Everything about it. He goes back to 2005 and basically says Angelina Jolie was the one who tipped off the paparazzi to kind of expose their relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, which I hadn't known before. Did you really? Oh, that was a long time rumor. Mm. I hadn't had it confirmed, but yes, I'd always heard that Angelina was uh, someone who called paparazzi. Interesting. It makes sense based on the pictures we've seen of her since. Right. Um, But that's one that, like, sort of is making a lot of waves. And then my beloved Cameron Diaz, he says that she once told a magazine editor to, uh, that I hope you get cancer when they called to ask her about a picture of her making out with Justin Timberlake. And, like, honestly, I forgot about her and Justin Timberlake and was glad to remember. Or, like, I hadn't forgotten about it. I hadn't thought about it in a long time. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, fun times. So... Good rumor. I like that. I mean, I like that. What are the, like, legal ramifications of, like, releasing this information that can't really be fact-checked, I guess, except for going to, like, these random editors to ask, like, is this true? And are you surprised that Jan Wenner is willing to, like, engage in, like, some, basically, these will be feuds? I mean, he must be on the outs already. I'm not surprised. This is how he made his name. And also, I think, at this point, he doesn't really care. You know, he's, like, best friends with Mick Jagger Mm -hmm. and best friends with Lorne Michaels. And is like it's. I mean, it's kind of gross the ways in which he doesn't care about, but also he knows how to make headlines and sell his book. So I, I'm I'm sure that he's legally protected. Um, <laughs> Someone thought about this for him. Yeah, I, I I bet they did some research. I mean, maybe not. That would be interesting. But I I guess you know he does know how to sell, or he did once upon a time know how to sell magazines. I guess selling magazines is over now. Well, it's funny because as we speak. Today, Rolling Stone has, like, a big interview with Steph Curry mm-hmm. that has, like, some news, kind of news in it. Although, I will say, one of it is that um, the, the uh, Warriors considered reuniting with Kevin Durant this past summer. Which, like, uh, if you listen to the Bill Simmons podcast, you were aware of already. Mm-hmm. So, more like confirming that, but... Rolling Stone doesn't have the same identity that it used to for, like, a lot of reasons. But it's just interesting how, like, it still exists and is still, like, trying to, like, be, like, a, a haymaker, but just, like, not in music because it's not possible anymore. Yes. And Jan talks about that at great length because in the Maureen Dowd profile, because he handed Rolling Stone over to his son and then it was Didn't sold so well. to... It, it, yeah. So now he's no longer involved and it's not really about rock and roll. It's about other things. So, and he, like, had some separation anxiety right. about it, I would say. Uh <laughs> You know, an armchair diagnosis from uh, the reading the weekend New York Times. 
Yeah, I I like the gossip bits. I don't know. Sure. It's fine. Yeah. He's, everyone's going to be fine. Great. It's a, it's a great, a new jam session motto. Yeah, and I have one more. Okay. Okay. Let's hear it. So this is from, and my friend Claire sent this to me, and this is from a, a Joe Coscarelli at the New York Times, a wonderful reporter, who did a profile of an artist named Issy Wood. She's a painter. She's a musician. And she's kind of been affiliated with a lot of big deal, older male names in the industry. Like, I think Larry Gogosian was a big mm. part of her career and also notably Mark Ronson. And then she um, distanced herself from all of that and is kind of creating her own, doing things her own way, which is great. So it's been, the piece is about her career and like this this artist up on the rise, but also kind of her removal from this industry, whatnot. And she speaks a lot about her experience and she talks about specifically working with Mark Ronson and feeling like slightly intimidated um, or made to feel intimidated by him. And they do, as for legal reasons, go to Mark Ronson for comment. And I, I will preface all this by saying that I have no idea what went down between them and I don't want anyone to feel intimidated in, and also obviously I'm a huge Mark Ronson fan, so I'm pretty biased Uh, But here is the quote that he gave to the New York Times in response. (laughs) I have a different recollection of our professional history, but I wish her the best and the continued use of my HBO Max login. (laughs) So, again, I wasn't there. Like, you know, I don't know, but we can now on Jam Session wish, wish people the best and the continued use of our HBO Max login. That was a perfect turn of phrase. I was once at a party. Mm Mm-hmm. Where someone who I didn't know, who was hooking up with this guy that I liked, came up to me and said, oh, I use your Hulu login. Okay. (laughs) And I I wanted to die. So this is great. (laughs) It's just, um, it's brutal and funny. And in the vein of wish wish them well, it's like a, the next level. I wish you well and the, the continued, continued use, use of amazing. my HBO Max login. So I, I that's that's a great kind of new era jam session or next era jam session. It's also such an incredible fuck you to yeah. this article and to Issy Wood. Yes. Just sort of like, I won't even dignify this with a, with a sure. respectful response. So. I think it's actually great for the article. Fantastic sure. content. Yeah. Sure, good you for the it, article. But you it, know it's going right in, control F right into the document. But it definitely undercuts this woman a lot. Yes. So. And, and, and again... <laughs> Perhaps contributes to her thesis. Right. It, exactly. <laughs> so uh, once again, I'm, I'm separating it from whatever went on there that I do not... I'm not informed about beyond the scope of this article. Um, it just on its own. Wonderful, this wonderful is, turn of phrase. That is wild. You know, yeah. I feel like next week on Jam Session, I'd like to do a deep dive into the world of um, art and pop culture because mm-hmm. I was reading the Jennifer Lawrence Vogue profile yes. and she's married to Cook Maroney who is a gallerist as the Vogue article reminded us. Side note, the photos, she's in these Erdem dresses mm-hmm. and she's like in her Beverly Hills home with like long wavy hair. She looks so stunning. Yes. It's like, I'm just like, holy shit, she looks amazing. But I do feel like we need to do some investigating into like where we stand with the gallery bro. The and, art world boyfriend. And the art world boyfriend. Yeah. And like, where are we post-COVID with like 
also Dime Square being back. Like I just it's it's not bad. It's done. It's Dime Square has come and gone. Yeah. I, I missed it. Same. I stayed in my apartment for all of it. Tough but break. I do feel like we need to do an investigation into like where do we stand with the art gallery boyfriend? Have okay. we moved on to the furniture boyfriend? Like we could have. Sienna Miller got rid of her old boyfriend and got a really horrible house. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> this isn't horrible. Really, really low room. It's, it's a statement house. That's true. Anyway, I feel like that's a whole other thing that we're going to need okay, to investigate. That's great. Yeah. So we, we'll do an investigation next week. Okay. Very exciting. On that note, thank you to Kaya McMullen for producing this episode. Thank you all for listening, and we'll be back next week. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.